And in Ephesians today, we're making a big shift, a big transition. Uh, if, if you are new here today, uh, my name is Walt, and I am one of uh, two pastors of Life Journey Church now. Uh, we moved here in June, uh, July of last year. Our other pastor will be moving here in July of this year, just next month. Um, and we seek to plant a church that with the purpose of spreading the fame of God. And so right now we're walking through Ephesians verse by verse uh, to lay a solid foundation of who we are in Christ and then how we're supposed to, as a church, as the church, uh, live in response to that position. As a matter of fact, you'll see on the overhead here, and I know if, you're, if you've been overhead, isn't that a, kind of an old term? I'm not sure. But uh, on the screen here, you'll see that the book of Ephesians itself is divided into two major sections. And we're about to transition this morning. This is a big morning for us. Transition from the first part to the second. But the first part talks about our position in Christ, who we are in Christ. If you remember, if you haven't been here, all of the messages are on the uh, podcast. But I'd encourage you just to read God's Word um, in Ephesians. But we talked about how... God, before the foundations of the world were settled, our salvation was settled. We were adopted into this family of God and, and how through Christ in verses 7 through 10, according to his riches, we, our sin had been forgiven and how we are sealed in the spirit of God in verses 11 through 14. And then 15 through 23, Paul prays for us. He prays for the believers that we would uh, realize this empowerment, that the eyes of our heart be open to the truth of what we have in Christ. He prays for there to be an enlightenment to the empowerment of God so that we can get this, so we can understand this, not just a head knowledge, but a real life knowledge of this. And then in chapter 2, we talked about just a couple weeks ago, how Paul zooms in on a very personal level, and he says, you, very personal, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. But God, rich in his love, rich in his mercy, has made us alive in him. For it's by grace that you've been saved. And we learned about how it's not a behavior. It's not anything that we can do. For we are face down, dead in our sin. But the grace of God that is so rich and so amazing. He said, I want all men to be represented before me for all of eternity. And so he raises to life those who believe in him and places them in Christ positionally in heaven. And then he says that this happens in 11 through 22 to all the nations. This, this mystery of the gospel is that it's for all the nations to, be, uh, to receive the gospel. And now it's not all people, but it's people of all nations. Only those who believe in Jesus are the ones that he has raised to life. And then this last week, verses 1 through 13, Paul was was teaching that this perspective, I, I'm sitting here in prison, but don't lose heart over me. Don't worry about what I'm going through because there's a better perspective. There's a bigger perspective of what's happening. I'm sitting here in prison because I'm fulfilling the vision that God has for my life where he has saved me to testify before the king himself. And so Paul is literally sitting in prison ready to testify before Caesar. And he says, look, there's a bigger perspective. The reason I'm effective in the ministry is because of this perspective. Don't lose heart over me because there's a bigger picture taking place. And that was last week. And so this week, we tr make this big transition into the, pract the practical side of the gospel. How we are to live. This so far is who we are. Now, isn't it 
great to know who we are in Christ, but isn't it another thing to actually live in that power? You know, my, I, uh, my dad wants me, has always wanted me to be this uh, great golfer for some reason. My dad got into golf. They lived in, um, he lived in uh, Florida for a while, and he always wanted me to be a good golfer. Man, it's, I don't think it's going to happen, all right, because I'm just not very good at it. I don't do it. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. But he wants me to be a great golfer. He'd take me uh, to the driving range, and he'd you know, teach me how to approach the ball, you know, and how to have balance, and how to hold the club, and how to, you know, all that stuff. He would, he would teach. I, would, I have all the steps figured out in my head, but the transition of that into the reality of the ball going where it's supposed to go is two completely different things. We can know all of we want to know about the gospel, but until we make that transition into it being real and active and alive in our lives, then, then, then we're not putting into practice what God has positionally set us for in Christ. Um, as a matter of fact, on the driving range one time, I tell you no lie, April was there. April's my wife. If you haven't met her, she's in the Journey Kids um, area uh, teaching today. Uh, I came back and I hit the... <laughs> Uh, the ball and I, the head of the club went further uh, than the ball went, and I was still holding the shaft of the club in my hand. Um, my dad was not happy. Um, it was his clubs, though. Um, so fortunately, it was not mine, but though mine, I don't use them. So anyways, the point is we have this, I have a head knowledge of what you're supposed to do with the club, but I have no idea how to put that into practice. It's not enough for us just to have a head knowledge of the reality of the gospel and what God has done, but there's got to be a putting that into place in our daily lives. And what Paul says, this is how this happens. And that's what we're going to look at today. I don't know about you, but in my life, uh, even, even as a pastor, as a planter of this church, I mean, there, there are times often, unfortunately, where I don't live in the reality of the gospel. I live, unfortunately, in the reality of my own flesh and my own sin. And, and it's very frustrating because I know that that's not where I have to live anymore. And if we were all honest, whether you were saved uh, years ago by God's grace or whether it's just like some, uh, been, since you've been coming to Life Journey Church, the gospel has sprouted, uh, sprouted, made you alive in Christ. I don't know where sprouted came from, but made you alive in Christ. And, 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 and now you are positioned in Christ, whether it was a long time ago, or whether it was recent. I mean, we're going to struggle with living in that reality. And this is what's so important before we dive in. I know I'm kind of making a long introduction here, but verse chapters four, five and six are useless if we don't put into practice verse, chap, verse chapters one, two and three. Okay. We can't do 4, 5, and 6 until the power of the gospel and the working of the Spirit of God becomes alive in us through our daily submission to the gospel and the power of the gospel. So 4, 5, and 6 are going to talk about walking in harmony, walking in love, walking in truth, walking in victory. Some great things. But we're not going to be able to walk in those things until the power of the gospel becomes alive in our lives on a daily basis. Okay, And that's what Paul teaches us here in verses 14 through 21, how that happens. All right? So let's just dive in and go to town with it. If you're new, well, the way it works is I kind of read a little bit and then we talk a little bit. Then I read a little bit and we talk a little bit. Okay? So we're going to start in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father. Now, the reason that he's bowing his knee is chapter 1 and 2. 
All this stuff of the position that we now have in Christ. Because of who we are in Christ now. Because we have, as chapter 2 says, been raised and seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Because we are his workmanship. Because we're no longer strangers but fellow heirs. Because we are being built together on the foundation of the cornerstone himself. And along with the, 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 the holy prophets and the priests. All this stuff that he talks about in chapter 2. Because of this, for this reason, I bow my knee in prayer. To the Father, before the Father. Now, um, let's stop. Now, he's going to talk about what he's praying for. It's in verse 16. We're going to get to this in a second. But he talks about the idea of being strengthened in the Spirit of God, for the Spirit of God to strengthen us. Okay? I just want us to pause before we go too much further and just think about this thought. And, And throughout the rest of the message, hopefully this will just resonate in our hearts. The omnipotent, which means all-powerful God, has chosen to display his glory by indwelling the impotent you and me. The all-powerful God has decided to show his glory, reveal his glory, by indwelling a powerless us. Now, Paul is saying, I am bowing my knees on prayer for that to be strengthened, for that to be deepened. But what you and I do, unfortunately, so often, at least speaking for myself, is that we don't live in the reality of this power in our lives. It's truly unbelievable that the impotent believer, you and I, we continue to live in the lack of this power instead of embracing it and allowing the Spirit of God to change us from the inside out, which is one of the reasons why we sang that song this morning. And Paul finds this unacceptable as well. And so Paul is going to spend some time here praying on his knee for the church, for the believer to be strengthened by the Spirit of God for some things to happen. So we just have one point per message. Like sometimes you get like go to message like six points and then there's like a poem and some things. We, we just do one uh, so that we can walk out with one point one simple truth and the one it's going to be on the screen later on but if you want to go ahead and write it down it's this spiritual vitality comes through your bended knee spiritual vitality comes through your bended knee and if we're not willing to join in with Paul in this and how he bends his knee in prayer for this strength man we're not going to live in the reality of the gospel it comes through our bended knee, through submitting ourselves before the Holy God and praying as Paul is about to pray for the strength of, of the Spirit of God to control our lives. Now, the bended knee, that doesn't mean that every time we pray, we have to literally be on a bended knee. Abraham prayed standing up in Genesis 18. Uh, Jesus prayed face down in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, there's all different ways to pray. The idea is this humble submission to the power and the strength of God, begging him to do a work in our lives. And so I'm, I'm going to, time-wise, we'll get into this in community group. That's the beauty of community group. We talk about it here, but then we really dive into it in our homes. But verse 15, it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. This is just, he's just glorifying God. He's just praising God. But unfortunately, we'll talk about this Thursday in our community groups. Unfortunately, liberal Christianity has taken this verse completely out of context context and said, hey, look, all families, all the earth is named from God. So God is the father of all people, this universalism that is prevalent in today's society. And that's not what he's saying. Grammatically, he's saying from whom, from the father, all who are named, all who are believers, they come from the father. 
All right, this isn't talking about a universalism that all people who are born are therefore saved. What's the purpose of the cross if all men are saved without, the, without a recognition of Jesus Christ as Lord? And so that's not what he's saying. And, and we'll get into that in community group. I don't have time, unfortunately, to get into that right now. But he says, for this reason, I bow my knee, I pray, I get on my knee and I pray before the Father. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is not praying for God to give believers anything more than believers already have. That took place at the moment of salvation when all spiritual blessings, according to the riches of God, were given through Christ. One pastor says this. He says, Paul wants them, believers, to live lives that correspond to the spiritual wealth that we already have in Christ. It makes no sense to walk around in the tattered rags of our own inadequacies when we should be and could be living according to the glorious riches of God that he's already given to us as believers. The inner man, this is the inner core. This is the who we are. This is our mind. This is our soul. This is who, this is what makes me, me. And Paul is saying that there must be a strengthening through the Spirit of God of our inner being. The inner man envelops how we think, how, what we value, how we behave. The outer man is what we see. It's, it's, the outer man is going to fade away, but the inner man is that which lives forever in Christ. In essence, Paul is saying that our inner man, who we are, must be strengthened by the power of the Spirit of God in order for, verse 17, Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. Now this is a head-scratcher because is Paul saying that your soul, your inner man must be strengthened by the Spirit of God in order for Christ to live in you? Doesn't that come into a works-based salvation that we must get our lives in order first in order for Christ to live? Is that what he's saying? No. We know that's not what he's saying because according to chapters 1 and 2, that before the foundation, before you even lived, before you even breathed, your salvation was settled in Christ. So we know that that's not what he's saying. This word dwell literally has this idea of being at home, being at home with. Someone like a, a, a joy-filled family member that you are just in complete unity with. That's this idea. So what Paul is saying is that as your inner man, the sin is being eradicated from your inner being by the strengthening of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop his work. The Holy Spirit continues the work of renewing our hearts changing our, our behaviors into the work of the, that, that, that is glorifying unto God so that Christ may be at home in your hearts. Before we moved here to Virginia, I mean to uh, Crozet, my parents had moved up from Florida and they lived with us for about four months before we moved here. And I love my parents for a lot of good reasons. But you want to test your sanctification is live with your parents for four months. Um, and... Uh, my mom's going to listen to this, and she's going to yell at me for saying that. But I love them. And as a matter of fact, when we moved here, um, April even made comments like, man, I really miss living with your family. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. But my dad would sit on the couch, and he would stare aimlessly at the television for like minutes on end, fully engrossed and engaged in the TV program, 
and it's on mute the entire time. Like, is he a lip reader? Is he a mind reader? Like, how do you read the mind of the TV? I don't know. The rest of us are sitting around the couch like, uh, hello, and he's just zoomed. I don't know what he's thinking about. But those little kind of things that just kind of irk you, you know, about, you know, different things. What Paul is saying, I believe, is that, that when your inner man is being strengthened by the Spirit of God, and there is sin is being removed, and you are being under the control and the leadership of the Spirit of God in your life, Christ becomes fully at home in your life. And when Christ comes fully at home in your hearts, he goes on, you become rooted and grounded in love. You see, our love is this idea of a very selfish, self-centered love. A love that is completely opposite from what God's love is. But we as believers and we in our non-believers in our culture, we talk about love. All you need is love, love, love. But what Paul is saying is that the only way for this love to become rooted, this love of Christ to become real in your life, is for us to pray that the Spirit of God would strengthen our inner man. That we would turn our backs on the sin, that we would seek to, to love and to obey God with our everything so that Christ really becomes at home in our life and the love of Christ begins to shine through and live through our lives and we are rooted in this love of Christ. Um, this idea of being rooted, Paul's prayer is for God's spirit to strengthen. We don't have to be controlled by our sinful nature any longer. We have the spirit of God living in us that can strengthen us in Christ. Jesus says in John 13, he says, a new command I give you, that you love one another. This love is impossible until the Spirit of God strengthens our inner man for Christ to take control of our thoughts, our mind, our reality of this, the, the, the reality of this selfless love in Christ will only be on display for others to see and for God to be glorified when our inner man is strengthened by the Spirit of God. Now, I need to be very, very clear that this is not a part of our, this is not the moment of our salvation. Okay? This is sanctification. Sanctification is a, is a big churchy word, which is when our position that Paul's been talking about for chapters 1 and 2, our position in Christ, when we start to live up to our position in Christ. Paul is saying it's impossible for you to live up to who you are in Christ until the Spirit of God strengthens you from the inside out. You can try to do all sorts of outward be behaviors, but until he strengthens you and Christ feels at home in your heart because of the power of the Spirit working in you, removing sin from your life, then this love is now rooted. This love of Christ is now what is rooting you in your life. John, Jesus says in John 15, he says, No greater love is this, the one that lays down his life for his friends. This love is not an emotional love. You know, Jesus doesn't say, No greater love than he that uh, has warm, fuzzy feelings for his other, for his brother. It's laying his life down. This is a commitment, a covenantal love relationship. And this is the love that God wants to see come through us as his children. Here's the deal. We can have this type of selfless giving love working through us only when our inner mind, our, our, our inner man, the core of who we are is strengthened by the spirit of God. 
as a result of the gospel working in us. And this is what Paul is praying. Paul is praying. He's saying spiritual vitality comes through your bended knee. We could preach all the sermons we want to preach about the power of the gospel, and that's good, and we are. We could get in small groups and sit around and discuss the power of the gospel, and we will because we are. But Paul is saying, look, until we get on our bended knee and pray to God for his spirit to join in with the Son of God to strengthen and for Christ to come at home, to be at home in our hearts, then and only then will the love of Christ exude through us in a real and powerful and meaning way so that chapters 4, 5, and 6, which we'll get to in the coming weeks, would be possible. This is a lifelong process. This isn't something they say, all right, done, inner man strength and check that off. What's next? If you've got that figured out, then I mean, you need to be up here teaching, you know, not me, because this is a lifelong process. This, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about sanctification, the, the be living, beginning to live in the reality of our position. Salvation is instantaneous. This is what happens next. This is the daily dying to ourselves, submitting daily to the Spirit of God, praying for daily for God's Spirit to strengthen our inner man, our flesh, to live in obedience to Christ as a result of what God has already done. And I can't emphasize that enough. Too many preachers will stand and preach and say, you've when you behave right, then God will save you. Then you'll earn God's salvation. And that is works-based, and that is of the pit of hell. Listen to me. You cannot earn your salvation any more than you can, just by sitting here, earn good graces with the person sitting next to you. It just doesn't work that way. You are only made righteous in Christ through the shed blood of Jesus and his grace that has made you alive in him. This is not earning salvation. This is living in response to it. If you want to see the power of the Spirit of God living in you, being grounded and rooted in this love, then we must pray as Paul is bowing his knees, praying for the Spirit of God to strengthen our inner man. And once we are rooted in this love, this love that is centered in Christ, verse 18 says that then we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints What is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And we'll try to address that here in a second. But a a, a Christian author, he writes, We cannot comprehend the fullness of love until we are totally immersed in love, until it is the very root of our being and ground of who we are. The love of God is one of those things that we simply cannot understand, uh, comprehend apart from the experience of it. But remember, this isn't just an emotional experience. This is the working of God, the Spirit of God, and the Son of God to bring together a newness of, of our hearts and lives on a daily basis to live out the love of Christ as a result of the gospel having changed us. Paul says that all the saints can live in this power. This is the strength to comprehend with all the saints. A lot of times we look at a believer who who is living in this love and living in this truth, and they're so effective for the gospel ministry, and we think that that's a special class of Christian. We think, man, that guy, is, man, he's, he's just on a whole new level, like a level that I can't even, like, even comprehend. And what I think Paul is saying is, is the norm should be that. 
all saints, all believers have the ability to live in the in being rooted and grounded in the reality of this love. The reality of this selfless giving love is the mark of a truly born again child of God when the Spirit of God works and moves and strengthens the inner man to submit to the work of Christ in him. And Paul says here, he says, so that we can comprehend, so we can understand with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth. The, just the insurmount- I don't think those are different types of this love. It's just, he's talking about the, the scope. And he says, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? Did Paul error here in his writing? I think what Paul is saying, well, first of all, I would say, no, he didn't err in his writing because this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But, the, but what Paul is saying is through the power of the working of the Spirit, through Christ being at home in our hearts, through being grounded and rooted in love, that's how we can know the power of this love, a love that is unknowable to those who are not a part of the covenant family of God. You see, only those who are, have experienced this love can begin to know this, but only those who are in the body of Christ who are strengthened by the Spirit of God for Christ to be at home and the love of Christ to be working through us are the ones who fully understand the power of this love. Um, it's so sad that the reality of so many of us in the church who have been saved by God's grace continue to love like the way, in the way in which the world loves, temporally and conditionally, because we have not bent our knee in prayer for the Spirit of God to strengthen our inner man, for Christ to be at home in our hearts. And he says, so when this happens, the Strengthening of the Spirit of God, Christ dwelling, being at home in our life, being, which results in rooting in, the love, in, in His love, being rooted in His love, and knowing this love. He says, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I, th- I just find that amazing, that God has saved us to fill us with Him with his presence. Now, we were filled with all the promises of God and the blessings of God at salvation. But I think what Paul is saying here is that as we continue to die to ourselves and live for Christ as a result of the working of the grace of God, we begin to experience the fullness, the power of God that is at work in us. Paul is saying that the spiritual strength, the spiritual vitality comes through the bending of our knee, praying for the Spirit of God to strengthen our inner man, to rid our minds, our hearts of the sin that keeps Christ uncomfortable in our hearts so that we may be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. And that is so amazing. And we can't even begin to comprehend it until the Spirit of God strengthens us. And in that, we are, begin to experience the fullness of God working in us. It's so cool to me that we are saved by God, not just so that we are positionally filled in him, but that we are, he wants us to practically be full of his spirit, full of his life, full of his love here in this daily working out of what we call life. And then as he wraps it up here, as we'll wrap it up, he says, now to him talking about God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, 
according to the work of the power that was in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think that this is one of, in my experiences, the most misquoted and misused verses of Scripture. We pull, we pull this verse so far out of context that it's not even funny. Verse 20. We talk about now to him when we, work, we start worshiping God. He's able to do it. I think every believer should believe that God is able to do that which is exceedingly abundantly all that we could ever ask or imagine. But here is what we need to understand. That Paul starts with a bended knee, praying for the strengthening of God's spirit in our inner man, which produces an atmosphere, a heart that Christ is at home in which roots us in the love of God, that we begin to know the width, the breadth, the depth, all those things. And God, the fullness of God is being realized in this, in this once dead sinner, now alive in Christ, and this begin to realize. And now to him, he's able to do a far exceedingly all more than we could ever ask or imagine. We have to keep this in the context of what Paul is saying. God is able to do more. But the reality of God doing more than we can ever ask or imagine takes place through our, the strengthening of God's, of God's spirit of our inner man. We can't just go out and say, well, God's going to do everything we ever want him to do through us at any time that we ever ask for him to do it. Because I think that's rooted in our selfishness and even in our ego and in our vanity. But what Paul is saying, as our inner man is submitted to the power of the working of the Spirit and of Christ, then the working of Christ becomes real and active in our lives. And we are able to see him do things that are far abundantly more than we could ever ask or think or imagine. I think each of us in our lives knows someone who... Who, who just has this dynamic faith and, and they've asked God for amazing things and God has answered and God has, has brought just amazing things into their life. And we want to get there uh, with good reason, but we want to get there by the shortcut. We, we want, hey, what, what is it that you do? What is, how, well, I'm just going to just have faith. If you have faith, then I'm just going to have faith and I'm just going to name this thing that I need, that I want, and I'm just going to claim it for God because that's what you did. Well, but what you didn't see is the hours on end of that bended knee, praying for God to strengthen their inner man in Christ Jesus, which results in the working of the love of the Spirit of God and of Christ himself, which then results in the fullness, which then God is able to do more. But God is only able to do more abundantly, we ask and imagine, in our lives when we, on our bended knee, pray for God's Spirit, to, to, to strengthen us with the love of Christ. The very same spirit that was at work in Paul is the very same spirit that's in work in us today who believe. What's the difference? What's the difference between the spirit of God that Paul was living in and the spirit that we have? I think he makes it crystal clear here that until we as a church, we as individuals, until we speak, Spend time and make time to get on our bended knee and pray for the Spirit of God to strengthen us from the inside out. Until that happens, we're walking in the power of the flesh. We might have all the head knowledge we could ever possibly have, 
But until we bend our knee and pray for God's strengthening through his spirit so that our inner man is changed and made new through, through, the, through the removal of sin and, and our worldview changes and how we see things change. Positionally, we are set at the day of salvation. This is the process behind which we begin to live up to the position that he has made us so that, the, so that Christ becomes at home in our lives. Not just some uh, inconvenient visitor, but a genuine family member at home in our lives producing the love of his that can ooze through us into this into each other i don't mean into each other like zapping into each other i mean i can show the love of christ to craig to maurice and when we offend each other we're not we don't take it up against it we we love regardless because think of the offense we have caused to christ himself this is the love that is can root us and ground us and bring to us the reality of God's fullness in us. And when we get that, when we come into that reality, then man, he is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine because he has strengthened us from the inside out. Until you and I make time to get real before God and earnestly seek his Holy Spirit to bring us to the, to the reality, to the need of this power, man, until we get to that point, it's only going to be something that others have and not us. And that we can't seem to get. But the reality is, man, you've got it if you are in Christ. It's a matter of submitting to what you've already got and praying to God to strengthen who we are, our inner man, to bring us into submission to the obedience of Christ. Let's bow our heads and just think on this This difficult truth, this difficult reality this morning, that yes, our salvation is 100% rooted and founded in, in Christ, in God, before the foundation of the world, but we have the responsibility now that we have been changed by the gospel, we have the, the responsibility now to pray, to get on our benefit. If we want to see vitality in our spirit, we want to see the strengthening, we want to see the love of Christ, Shining through us. We want to see this. We want to glorify God through our lives. Then I'm telling you what Paul is saying. We've got to get on our knees and pray daily for the Spirit of God to strengthen our inner man for Christ to come, be at home in our lives. Can you imagine what Life Journey Church could be like if we all began to understand this? Not just if one or two, but if we all began to bend our knees faithfully for the Spirit of God to strengthen our weak, out-of-control inner man. What would our church like if Christ was truly at home in our hearts, in each of us? In what ways could we love our community and each other if this were to really become reality? Man, God doesn't want Life Journey Church just to be a place where his glory and his fame are talked about in simple intellectual sermons, like a golf lesson. He wants us to see, he wants to see Life Journey Church, he wants to see us become a church that truly lives and exists in the fullness of his power and his might. And we need to bend our knees 
and ask God to strengthen us individually and collectively so that we can see the power of God at work in our church, in our community, for his glory.